I am excited because I'm talking about something that God has put in my heart um, years ago, actually. And it's called, the, the sermon is called Ungodly Mediation. And it's something that God has dealt with me for many years until I got all, like, the entire revelation. And I'm excited to share it with you today because sometimes I think we all get into situations where we are mediators. Sometimes that's just what life requires of you, right? If you're in a family, I can tell you now, you have been mediating at some point in your life. If If you have a job, you've been mediating at some point in your life. We all go through places and circumstances where we have to mediate. But there is a form of ungodly mediation, and that's what I want to focus on tonight. Um, and that's what I want to rev- I want to break it open today and tell you what exactly is ungodly mediation. What is it doing in your life? And it's something that I wish I knew when I was much younger. Because man, would I have dealt with things differently if I knew what I know today. So if you're young, you've got to listen up because this can save you a lot of stress, right? So we all have those family members, or maybe it's friends or siblings um, or work circumstances, where you feel like you you have to walk on eggshells. Or is it walking on eggs? Eggshells. And I've got it wrong previous time. And somebody corrected me, and now I'm never sure which one it is. Eggshells, right? So um, you have to walk on eggshells around these people. If you have... If you're planning a massive birthday party, right, uh, maybe your, your husband's 60th is coming on or 40th, then there's that one person you're thinking about and you say, oh, I've got to be careful because if I don't invite them first, if they hear about it through Susie and they did not know about it, massive ruptures in the, in the, in the family, right? Or maybe it's a work colleague and say, oh, if I, I create this plan, if I don't inform them first and they see the paper at the printer and they were not informed about it prior to the meeting where it's going to be revealed, there's going to be some problems, right? So what we do is we know that this is coming. We know this is brewing in the background. So what we do is we mediate. We say, okay, wait, I am having this birthday party for my husband's 20th, or 40th, or 30th. Um, I just want to let you know, it's on this date, and it's going to be this time. The invitation is still to come only in three weeks, but at least you know. Now, we're good. I've just made sure there's not going to be any eruptions in the family. Nobody's going to take offense. Everything is good, right? I've mediated over there, because I know, I know that that, that is a pot that's always boiling, and it's going to spill. It's going to boil over pretty soon if I don't do that. So we mediate. We create everything that we do around this one person, around this one circumstance, to make sure that everybody is okay. Because if we don't do that and that birthday party comes, man, it's going to be ruined. That person will make sure that everybody knows that they are unhappy. That person will make sure that, they, that everybody will know that they do not approve, that they uh, did not know about it. And there will be an atmosphere. And you'll be the targeted victim. That is what I want to talk about today. So, what is ungodly mediation? Now, I've not followed my notes. Let's have a look. Ungodly mediation is a dispute 
in order to bring about a false agreement or a false reconciliation. That false is really, really important. Because the fact of the matter is, it's not genuine. It's not true. But we create it, right? Why do we do do this? Because we have to intercede. We have to resolve. We have to remedy. We have to intervene. And we become the middleman between parties, right? And then we, we mediate. We keep the, we, we say that we keep the peace. That's how we make it better for ourselves. I am being an incredible person because I'm keeping the peace, right? That's how, we, that's how we chew it and swallow it so that we can accept it. But having this in our life is actually really, really exhausting. Because you're always having to put out fires. No one gets, you have to make sure that no one gets emotionally hurt. Nobody is emotionally exposed. Sometimes in families, I see this happen a lot, between parents and children. You're always mediating between the mother and the child, if you're the father, right? Because you know You've got to keep this mother happy. You've got to keep this mother okay. And you've got to protect this child from the wrath that's to come. So you mediate and you enter a space where you should not be. So I grew up in a house where temper tantrums were the norm. And you never knew what you were going to get. And my mom had to mediate between my dad and me and my dad and my brother 24-7. Because she had to keep the peace. She had to protect us emotionally. But the after effects of that in her life was incredible amounts of anxiety. It was massive depression in her life. She had many health problems and a lot of fear. So does that sound to you like that she was keeping peace? Is that what peace does? When you keep peace... Is this the after effects that you are supposed to be experiencing? No. But yet we term it that we're keeping the peace. It is so, so unhealthy. But yet, it sounds so right because she's protecting me. It sounds so honorable. So what does the Bible say about mediation? So we can go to 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. And I think this is a passage we all know really, really well. Maybe. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Jesus Christ. Why is this so incredible? Because Jesus came down to earth. He was the ultimate mediator, right? He came and he is between us and God. His blood is there to cover us, to protect us. There's no blemish on us because of God's blood, because of Jesus' blood there mediating, right?
It is there so that we are blameless, spotless, pure, and holy. And then when I look at circumstances, when I look at people when they are busy with ungodly mediation, what we're actually doing is we're saying, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me, that you took my sin upon yourself to save me, but actually get out of the way, move along, because I'm going to be mediating. I'm taking up your space. I'm taking up your role. I am doing what you are here to do. So move up, Jesus, I can do a better job. And then I become the protector. And I become the navigator. And I become the mediator in these situations where we should have left it for Jesus to sort out. Wow. Can you see how ungodly that is? That is why I call it ungodly mediation because you remove God out of the situation, and you come in. And you take that space in these situations in your life. And again, you know, we think we're doing such a good job, but not everything that looks good is God. There's a massive spiritual consequence to this. No, what are we busy with? What are we actually really doing when we enter in these positions. And none of us are deciding, today I'm getting up and I'm going to do some ungodly mediation and step thee beside Jesus because I'm taking your role. No, we do it with the purest intentions. We do it because we love and we protect and we want to honor and we want to mediate and we want to just have peace, right? But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily right. So what are we actually busy with when we are doing these things? We are trying to control a situation. We are taking the control up into our own hands. Isn't that also a form of manipulation, though? Ouch, right? Now, all of a sudden, we don't want to do it anymore because now it doesn't sound so good. Now we don't want to do it. You see, because when we do this in In this relationship, we are controlling these relationships and we are manipulating these relationships. And unknowingly, we submit to this control and manipulation. And we don't know what we're busy with. So my biggest question today is, what kind of peace are you keeping? Are you keeping a godly peace or a false peace? Because the fact of the matter is, We term it as peace, but it's not really peace. It's fake. It's false. It's not real. And the fact of the matter is, if it's not from God, then where does it come from? So what happened in Mark 11, and you can read it at home, verse 15 to 17. It's when Jesus comes into the temple And he enters the temple, and they are busy with all these ungodly things. They're busy with trading, and they're doing all the stuff they're not supposed to do, right? So he goes out, and he weaves a whip, and he is angry, and he comes back, and he sorts it out. And if any of you have read this passage before, you would know that he didn't beg people and say, Oh, please, will you stop doing that? Please, will you stop doing that? Please, will you, please don't trade in my temple. I'm begging you. No, he went in with a whip, and he hit the tables that they turned around. Can you imagine, I want you to imagine 
for a couple of seconds that you are in the temple and the Son of God enters in and that is what he does. Imagine him coming in here and he takes, I don't know, the welcome desk and the coffee table and the sound and the speakers and he throws everything around. Not that I'm saying those things are all ungodly. I'm just looking what I can see, right? And he's just, he's, he's just, he takes a whip out and he throws it all around and we're all sitting here. Is it going to be a calm atmosphere? No. It's explosive, right? There's, it's a hostile, I want to almost say like a hostile environment. It's not calm. Things will be flying around. Man, we will all know that Jesus is here. We will not be mistaken. So most of the time, we uphold this ungodly mediation because we are scared of explosions in our family, in our workplaces, in relationship, in friendships with friends. We are scared of these explosions that's going to come because we've got to keep the peace. We are Christians. We have to be the lesser. But then there Jesus came and he sorted it out like this, man. He caused, it was, it was crazy, Right? So that tells me that there is a point in time that Jesus will come and he will cause an explosion. But it's a godly explosion. So what is the difference here? What am I getting to? We need to get to a point where we say, okay, I am not going to mediate in this situation. I am not going to enter into this space of ungodly mediation. Actually, I'm going to step aside And I am not going to give anybody special treatment. And I'm not going to mediate in these relationships. I'm just going to do what I would do normally. Now, if I say that and your heart is beating because you have some frame of reference and you're thinking, oh, I should not have told that uncle. So next time I should not tell that uncle that we are going to do this. And your heart starts beating. I'm telling you now, you're busy with ungodly mediation because there's fear in you. There's worry in you just for you to think that you have to step aside and let whatever happen happens scares you because what if the relationship breaks? What if there is a tear in the family? But you see, that immediately is already a red flag because why are you the one holding the family together? Why are you the one pulling on each side, trying to get them here and keeping them here? It should not be you. See, we need to step aside and say, okay, God, I'm just going to do what I am supposed to be doing. Everything above board is normal. And I'm going to leave you to do what you need to do. And you know what God will do? He will enter in like he did in that temple, in the court space. And he will cause an explosion. But you see, the biggest difference then is that it doesn't sit on you. It doesn't anger you. It's not going to hurt you. You're not going to be involved in it. You're not going to be sinning. You're not going to lose your temper. You're not going to get in a defense or a fight or flight mode because you've stepped aside and Jesus has taken the reins in our life. So when we do this, right, and we step aside and the explosion happens, then stuff will start coming to light. True colors, true intentions. And everything that's ungodly will come to light. And then what happens? Then you have 
this person or the situation, and they are confronted with this thing, right? Now they have a choice to make. Now I want you to notice how the choice, how, how everything is shifting. It's because you have removed yourself, the choice is no longer yours. They have a choice to make, not you. They have a choice to make. In other words, whatever the choices that they are going to make, whatever the consequences of that choice is, it is not on you. It is on them because they are making the choices. But I can tell you now, one of two things are going to happen. Either they will see all this dirt coming to the top and they will say, like, oh my word, is this what I've been busy with? I am so sorry. Uh, I'm going to sort it out. And they confront Whatever they have in their life, maybe it's pride, maybe it's rejection, maybe it is multiple amount of stuff, right? And they have to confront it and they've got to say, I'm going to deal with this and it gets sorted out in the family. Or the other thing happens. There is a massive explosion with massive consequences. And yes, maybe the family or the friendship or the relationship tears apart. But if it's family and it's maybe work, then you still have to see each other. So it might be a bit uncomfortable, but they will know that you won't stand for this anymore. So they will control themselves when you are around, and then they will still manipulate and control everybody else in their life, but you will be free from that control because you're not mediating, you see? Or they might simply choose to cut you out. Sometimes that happens. I've seen that. Sometimes that happens, especially if there's narcissism involved. They just cut you out. But then I always pose the question to people, what have you been holding on anyway? Where was the love in any way? Was it love? Was it a good relationship or was it an abusive relationship? It's very quiet in here today. Um, <laughs> So they will become aware of it, they will sort it out, get rid of it, or they will choose to entertain the spirit. Because I believe when people control and manipulate other people like that, it is a spirit that is operating. Okay? So they will either control the spirit, um, or ent- I mean entertain the spirit, but they will realize that you won't be tippy-toeing around it anymore. And it will lose its hold on you. Your actions, your choices, and how you deal with things. And you will not submit under that control and that manipulation anymore. Because that is what it is. We, you know, it, the devil is strategic at times. Look, he cannot invent anything, but he takes everything and he manipulates it, right? So what he does is, is quite strategic. So it happens very slowly and subtly. And it builds up, and the control and the manipulation, it builds up in your life, builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up, until it's here, and that's why you think it's an explosion is going to happen, because it is reaching a threshold which you are struggling to maintain. And all of a sudden, we realize we're under this stronghold of control and manipulation, and we have to get out of it. And we have to make the shift and get out of it and let God The key thing here, though, is that we have to step aside and let Jesus do the work. That is the key thing. It is not up to us to keep our families together. It is not up to us to mediate and keep relationships that 
God might even not want anymore. Because I've seen people, because it's noble and because it's good, they so desperately hold on to it. And then after 10 years, they finally let go of it. And because they've let go of it and God has come in and God has done the work, that person has been brought to their knees and they've come to a point where they have said, I need help. And they've become freed from a spirit that's been controlling them. And finally, God can save that person. But it's because you got out of the way. Ephesians says, um, do not participate in the worthlessness and unproductive deeds of darkness, but instead expose them by exemplifying, your, by exemplifying personal integrity, moral courage, courage, and godly character. Can you see that when you are in the explosion. It's very difficult to uphold those things. But when you move aside and you're not even part of the explosion, you're just going on to daily life, it's so easy for you to uphold a godly character. It's so easy for you to, to, be, uh, to act with integrity, right? Because you're not the one doing the work. You're not the one causing the explosion. It's God doing the work. It's Jesus doing the work. And what we then do is we can then actually just sit back and watch it. It's almost like a movie that starts playing in real life. And let God do it. You see, because sometimes we have to allow the auntie to throw her temper tantrum and to storm off at the family gathering. Or sometimes we need to let this co-worker of us throw all their toys out of the cot. Let the boss see what's actually really going on. That they can see what's going on in the company. What's really behind everything? We need to stop mediating and covering up and preventing and walking on eggshells. The rest of the scripture says, for, the, for this reason, he says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine as dawn upon you and give you light. You see, it's never supposed to be on your shoulders. It's supposed to be light. Wake up, let God do the work. It, can, it, it continues and says, Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage. Not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people. This is from the Amplified. To know that you, we need to know that we are not helping this family member or this friend or this person or this relationship by mediating. What we're actually doing is we are causing codependencies. We are causing demons to work in the, middle of, in the midst of our relationships. We are causing all these things. You are causing anxiety and fear. Where is that? There's no, I don't see God in any of that. It continues and says, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. You see, we have to make the most of our time here on earth. Why? Because it has an everlasting, eternal effect. The devil wants to hold you. The devil wants to control you. The devil wants you to walk on eggshells. He wants you to mediate. Why? Because then he's got a hold of you. He can control you and he can move you as he wants. 
because you're mediating. He's just got to have this one person, like a jack-in-a-box being rolled up, and then they come out and they dance a little bit, and then you're like, oh, oh, wait, wait, we've got to get the jack-in-the-box back in. Just get, get him in, get him in, right? And we do this, and then we think it's normal. It also affects our calling and our purpose. Why? Because the moment we stop walking on eggshells and we stop mediating, we choose not to give the devil special treatment. Currently, the devil's having a spa treatment, right? But you see, this is war. This is spiritual war. And we need to break the hold of manipulation in our life. The best thing you can do for your family and your relationships and your work and your world is to stop mediating. Because we never know if we are the one piece in the puzzle that's preventing God from getting that person saved because we keep getting in the way and we keep getting in the way. Maybe that relationship needs to unravel with the whole family so they can see what losses, so they can see that they need God, and they can see that they need to turn their back to God and sort their lives out. Who are we to say that's not how God works? Before we came to New Zealand, um, Will and I, we had massive family stuff going on with my family, which we always had to use ungodly mediation with. And the moment we decided we're not going to sit under this ungodly mediation, the moment God revealed this whole thing to us, we were called into a board meeting with my family. And um, at that point of time, my brother was the one that was really um, being the person we all, you know, he was like the jack in the box. We had to keep him in the box all the time. And everybody had to tippy-toe around him. And that night, we just decided we're not going to tippy-toe. We are not going to... We're not going to tolerate this manipulation and control in our life anymore. And that night, I think we were there maybe for two hours, maybe more, I'm not sure. We had various guns thrown in our face and threats made to our life because all of a sudden, there's this massive explosion because we are not mediating, right? And everything came out. Man, let me tell you, when the nonsense started pouring out of this situation, I couldn't know... I, I never knew that there was so much stuff sitting there that started coming out because then everything, man, that demon, he performed that night. He revealed himself that night completely. The family broke apart that night. It was devastating for us to realize that our family is, is now is gonna, it's going to break up because Will is refusing to submit under this. He will not. It was the first time he was ever shown that that and put in those circumstances, and he immediately identified it, and he just said he's not going to, he's not going to sit with us, right? And the most wonderful thing came from that. Yes, was there a lot of pain? There was a lot of heartache. There was a lot of crying. There was many relationships that have um, deteriorated and it's gone, and we don't have the, those relationships anymore. But God moved us with that. That is the door that moved us to New Zealand. Because when everything, got, when everything came to light, Will realized 
God said to him that night, you have to get Nicole and the boys safe because my life was actually in physical danger. You've got to get these children and your wife safe. And he said, where to God? And he said, New Zealand. And within three months we were here, everything just happened. But now, my children is not subject to codependencies, to unhealthy control, to anxiety. They are not being bought bought with money anymore in prisons. And they can just be children, right? And now, back in South Africa, before my father passed, he had to walk a very difficult road where he had to say, am I going to face this? I'm going to keep it in my life. And man, God worked. God worked massively in that situation. And before we came to New Zealand, God said to me, we will be here and the big tree is going to fall. There was scripture. And I said to Will, God is telling me my father's going to pass. He's going to die soon after we arrive in New Zealand. It wasn't two, two and a half years my father passed. He was a very healthy man before that. But he had to deal stuff. And today, he probably made it into heaven because we moved to New Zealand. That's the only reason he probably got where he is now. Because he, it brought him to his knees. Man, God will do anything to get a soul in heaven. But we have to remove ourselves out of the equation and stop trying to be the hero. So I think that there are many of us sitting here. Wait, last scripture. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed due to a lack of knowledge. It's because we don't know that we tolerate. It's because we don't know that we submit. It's because we don't have the knowledge that we unknowingly are caught up in this stuff. I was caught up in it for years, being a great Christian, because I never saw, I never knew. It was never revealed to me. So I think that there's a lot of people sitting here today saying, I can... I know exactly what you're talking about, and I don't think I have the boldness. I don't think I have the boldness to step aside, because you're, you're in that deep. Or you might be sitting here and say, I see that in my friend's life. I see that in my colleague's life. I see that happening. I see that they are mediating with stuff going on in their life, because it's, it's visible to other people. And um, the band can come up, thank you. And as we're going to sing the last song, I want to invite people to the front who are caught up in this or who see it in people they love, which they want to help and say, get out of this control, get out of this place of anxiety and manipulation. I want to pray for those people, but I also want to pray for people who are just sitting here and saying, is this this or is it not? Is this, am I caught up in this or am I not? That uncertainty. I want to pray for you as well. And If you have been in this and you are not in this anymore, I want to pray for you as well. Because the fact is that after you come out of something like that, you need healing and you need God's love in your life. Because codependencies have been created if you've been in for a long time. And I know that God wants to just, he wants to love on you and say, it wasn't your fault. You are more than enough. You are okay you are going to be okay, right? So why don't we all stand and I'm going to pray for us before I start, okay? God, I come to you and I know this is quite a big, heavy message, Lord, and I ask that you will, that you will come with your amazing Holy Spirit in this place, Father God, 
and speak to people right now. I ask God that you will reveal to them situations in their life that is ungodly, where there is control and manipulation, where they function out of anxiety and fear, where they are hurt because they are not good enough. God, I sent there's somebody here that's just saying, God, I'm tired of this. I, d- I don't even know if I can step to the side and say, let go and let God, because I am just that tired. I don't want the explosion because I am too tired. I almost feel like I don't even want you to come and take control because I am just too tired of dealing with this. There's somebody here who is saying that, God, I am too tired. God says today that he sees you. He sees you. He knows you. He understands you. But guess what? He loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. 